0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. Each Monday, we dive into the most pressing and talked-about technology stories in order to keep you up-to-date and equipped for the week ahead. Alongside this podcast, we also have an email newsletter version of Weekly Tech that you can subscribe to at jasonthacker.com weeklytech, where you'll receive this weekly briefing via email each Monday morning. You can also grab the links of the stories we talk about in the show notes where you subscribe to the podcast. Today's lead story comes from an article that I wrote recently at the Gospel Coalition about ethics in the digital age. A friend of mine recently tweeted that she believes ethics to be an impossibility. As she unpacked what she meant online, I realized that this attitude towards ethics is shared by many in our culture, especially in this digital age. With the rise of sophisticated modern technologies, our society will increasingly question what is moral and immoral, as well as how we might pursue an ethical life. We deal with issues such as bias, privacy, the influence of technology in our families and our personal lives, and these issues are really pushing the boundaries of modern ethical frameworks. Yet, these frameworks are often based on what seems right in the moment, rather than being built upon a robust ethical framework that transcends our modern-day desires. Our world is longing for direction and addressing a lot of the complicated and life-altering technologies in a way that's good, fair, applicable, and ethical— We see this from a number of different sources, whether it be the United States Department of Defense' recent guidelines regarding the military use of technology like AI, the European Union's proposal for an ethical framework for technology and privacy, or even in the corporate world such as Google's recent AI principles. Often fairness is seen as a main objective, but one of the problems with fairness is that it's often a very vague concept that can be misused and abused to really prioritize one group over another or to silence positions that are outside the mainstream of society. This is what I call fashion ethics, ethics that's defined about what is popular or what might even impress others. It really is what puts us in the in-crowd. Often, these ethical formations are marked by a desire for notoriety or influence rather than distinguishing what's right from actually what's wrong. One of the best examples of fashion ethics in recent years was the reaction to the Obergefell v. Hodges same-sex marriage decision that was at the Supreme Court a number of years ago. There were businesses across the world that were changing their social avatars to rainbows as wanting to be seen as supportive of same-sex marriage. And this concept of fashion ethics was really based on the moods of the day rather than on a conviction or even a transcendent truth. Because reality is, is that many of these businesses weren't supportive or weren't even actually part of the conversations as they were going on, but wanted to be seen as supportive of this landmark same-sex marriage decision. This is because one of the reasons for fashion ethics is that our society often defines what's good based on what other people think of us. This is true even with the technologies that drive our day. As we talk a lot about here on Weekly Tech, we really focus on the ethics of technology, and one of the main driving forces behind the ethics of technology is a relativism in our society that's influenced by this rise of postmodernism. We're open to people having their own views regarding ethics and morality. What's good is ultimately what we want. If it feels good, it must be true, and if we think it's true, then it must be good. But there's a subtle irony here. Our society isn't very postmodern when it comes to technology and science. We pursue hard facts with the scientific method, and we believe in an unchanging truth regarding how this world works. But this type of objectivity doesn't often affect our ethics and our moral understandings. The reason for so much confusion about ethics in the digital age is because often these technological developments are based on a modern framework, while our ethics are actually based on a postmodern framework. We're so enamored about what people think about these individualistic versions of truth that we struggle to address these technological developments and how they're impacting our daily lives. The reality is is that we cannot depend on vague generalities to make these type of ethical decisions, because in reality, human dignity is at stake. So what if the Christian church had a better way forward, one that brought to light the darkness and brought clarity to a lot of the murkiness of our modern-day ethical decisions and frameworks? Our ethical decision-making cannot be tied to the prevailing attitudes of the day, whether it's certain elites or the in-crowd or even being on the, quote, right side of history. God calls us as Christians to something greater than ourselves, to an ethical framework that's based on His unchanging Word and who He is as the God and Creator of the universe. It's simply summed up in Matthew 22, verses 37-39, through where we're told to love our God and to love our neighbor as ourself. Christian truth, these ethical formations, can really be developed and deployed in ways that help us to honor and to live out these two great commandments of our Lord. This is why we must keep human dignity at the core of our ethical frameworks. The Christian moral tradition is based on a concept of human exceptionalism that runs counter to a lot of the prevailing materialistic understandings within the sciences and technology. As technology's influence continues to increase in our society, our guiding ethic cannot be what's popular or what's fashionable, but what is proper and what is full of God-honoring life. If you want to read the rest of this article, you can check out the show notes or visit jasonthacker.com slash podcast for a link to the full article that I wrote. The American church is facing an abuse crisis. One of the best ways that we can protect our churches from sexual abuse is through effective and safe hiring and screening practices. But employment laws vary from state to state, and most churches aren't sure where to begin. That's exactly where the new Caring Well Hiring Guide comes in. This brand new resource from the ERLC and the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group of the Southern Baptist Convention provides a starting point for church leaders who are working to implement safe and effective hiring policies and screening practices to help prevent future abuse. You can download your free copy now at caringwell.com hiring. Next up is the rundown where we focus on four different technology stories that you should be aware of as you prepare for the week ahead. First is a story from The Verge about how TikTok is racing to stop the spread of a gruesome video. Last week, TikTok issued warnings for users to be on the lookout for a disturbing video on the platform while it also took extensive measures to take the clip down. There were clips of a man that was actually committing suicide that had originally been streamed on Facebook Live and it multiplied across the viral video platform TikTok with countless users re-uploading and sharing the gruesome images. Different versions of the traumatic video were viewed frequently due to TikTok's algorithm that suggests videos in a section called For You. This feature allowed users to browse popular content from accounts that they're not specifically following. This means that unaware TikTokers could easily stumble upon this clip by mistake as they scroll through their feeds. While after many popular users and content providers on the platform began warning their followers by alerting them to watch out for a video that featured a bearded man sitting at a desk, some accounts actually disguised the clip by inserting an innocent video or an innocent image right before the graphic portion of the video. A TikTok spokesman said last week that the app systems are currently flagging and removing this content and that accounts that attempt to upload the video on multiple occasions will be banned from the platform. Disturbing content like this is certainly no stranger to the internet or any social media platform for that matter, but TikTok's algorithms in this For You page can make harmful content even more accessible on this app as well as other platforms. Christians should always be seeking to use social media wisely and should approach TikTok with heightened awareness because of a lot of the issues surrounding the platform. Next up is a story from CNN that highlights how Disney has been hit by a backlash after thanking Xinjiang authorities in the Mulan credits. Disney is facing boycotts of its newly released live action remake of Mulan, which is now available for streaming on Disney Plus, like we talked about last week. The backlash is a response to the entertainment company's relationships with Chinese authorities during the film's production. In the film's credits, Disney actually thanks these Chinese officials from several municipalities including that of Xinjiang, the city where more than 2 million Muslim Uyghurs and other religious minorities have been imprisoned in concentration-like camps since 2015. And it's very clear from the movie that multiple scenes were actually filmed in the region. The United States government had listed a Xinjiang Security Bureau as an organization that's currently involved in human rights abuses because of its oppression of countless religious and ethnic minorities within the region, specifically the Uyghur Muslims. Listeners may be aware that back in 2019, Disney had publicly claimed that it would be, quote, difficult to do work in the state of Georgia over the controversial heartbeat abortion bill. And in kind of an ironic twist, Disney still chose to shoot this film in a country that commits these massive human rights violations but seemed to have a problem shooting in the state of Georgia. It's important to be aware of injustices that are taking place all across the world, especially when it involves the technology we use and the entertainment that we choose to consume. Especially when the technology we use and the entertainment we consume has ties to institutions that engage in these type of injustices. Next up is a story from The Verge about how Samsung has reportedly cut off chip sales to the controversial Chinese company Huawei. Two South Korean companies recently announced that they will stop selling computer chips to Huawei, Samsung, and another popular chipmaker announced that they will cease trading with the Chinese tech giant on September 15, a day when the new economic regulations for trade with Huawei will go into effect. These new sanctions, which were introduced in August by the United States president, require foreign companies to obtain special permission to sell their products made using U.S. technology to Huawei. As an alternate source of material for Huawei, the Chinese government has funded a company called SMIC. In response, the president has also threatened sanctions against this organization as well. The United States government has said that these sanctions against Huawei are to guard against national security threats and claim the Chinese company has disclosed trade secrets and violated sanctions against Iran. The decision by these two chipmakers to cease trading with Huawei indicates that the computer chip market is undergoing seismic changes. It also is evidence of the splintering of the global technology economy and the growing tensions between the United States and China. Regardless of how this situation plays out, it demonstrates the interconnectedness of our technological production and teaches us that there are implications beyond the use of our devices and platforms that we may not always recognize. The last story from this week comes from Axios, and they focus on America's great virtual learning experience and how it's facing glitches nationwide. Many students across the country have faced technical difficulties as they return to school online in recent weeks. In addition to the three largest districts in Texas, school systems in Idaho, North Carolina, Kansas, and Washington encountered major interruptions due to technological glitches and crashes on the opening day of class. If you're anything like our family, we also experienced a number of glitches and delays when just trying to connect our four-year-old to some online speech therapy using Zoom. Because of the precautions amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, 62% of American school children are resuming their studies in an exclusively online format, with 18% going to school in a hybrid manner and only 19% actually attending in-person classes exclusively. In addition to the connectivity issues and the other various glitches, students have reported additional learning struggles such as the lack of interaction with teachers and students. Because at least 80% of our students nationwide depend on these technologies and the internet to attend class, these malfunctions have served as a major hindrance for parents and children alike. And many of these hindrances pale in comparison to children all across our nation, specifically in rural areas, that actually don't have access to high-speed internet at all. As educators and students are doing their best to navigate these issues, churches should be aware of the difficulties that our families are facing and be attentive to the specific ways that they might be able to love their neighbors. This is an opportunity for the local church to be creative about how we care for those in our communities, like a recent church that I saw that had opened up their Wi-Fi for families to come sit in the parking lot and access online school and remote work opportunities. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy listening to Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review? You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share the word about Weekly Tech with others. As a reminder, you can always check out the show notes for the stories we talk about here on Weekly Tech in your podcast app. And you can also get them directly in your inbox each week as part of the Weekly Tech newsletter. You can sign up today at jasonbacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.